0: Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor, and I'm here with Amanda Sparrow and Anthony Allegria. And today in podcast number 44, we're going to be talking about a few different things. We're going to start off by discussing Angela Marici and the history she has. And just it's a, it's a fantastic person from church history. And what she did, she went out and she's seen poverty. She's seen families which were broken. And she said, the solution to this is I'm going to take and use my personal initiative. I'm going to go out and answer the call of God to go out and build institutions which help these kids out. Very powerful thing. Then we're going to move on to discuss the concepts of original sin and how that relates to the question of whether or not people are inherently good or inherently bad. And we're going to talk about a few other things mixed in there as well. So with that, I hope you enjoy our program today. Let's get right into it.
1: Angela Marici lived from 1474 to 1540 and was influential in the history of the church for establishing the company of St. Ursula and for educating the poor and hopeless children during her time. Angela and her sister became orphans when they were young, and were sent to live with an uncle where they were raised in a devoted Christian home. However, family tragedy was not yet over for Angela. While still a teenager, she lost her sister. Furthermore, her sister passed without taking sacraments, and this left Angela wondering about the salvation of her sister. Then, at the age of 20, Angela lost her uncle. These experiences as an orphan influenced the trajectory of Angela's life. Angela went on to join the Third Order of St. Francis while she was still young. One can clearly see Angela developing as a minister at this point in her life. While living with another Christian family, Angela was convicted by the Holy Spirit by the calling to establish a religious community. Angela was deeply convicted to minister to the uneducated poor children around her. Christian education was the solution to the broken families and poverty that Angela observed. Angela wanted to prepare girls for healthy lives by teaching them Christian virtues and skills needed for life. Moreover, she understood the value of Christian education for all children, and the hope that comes from giving young girls meaningful education. Angela began collecting girls to help in her work. The number of women working with Angela grew quickly, and the group would eventually grow into the company of St. Ursula. They lived in their own homes, and the group lacked formal vows, but the women consecrated their lives for the ministry of Christian education. Not only was Angela successful in establishing a school in one town, but she was also able to expand into neighboring areas. Later in life, Angela took a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. However, before making her arrival in the Holy Land, Angela was struck blind, yet she continued on her journey and visited holy sites without physical sight. On her journey home, her vision was restored. After her death, the Company of St. Ursula, whose members are also known as the Angelines, went on to be formally recognized for its Christian work in 1546.
0: All right, now it's time for us to ask the question, hot, not, or sanctified. Is Angela Morici a positive theological inspiration, which in that case we would say hot. If she is not, then we'll say not, we do not like her. And if we say sanctified, we're not necessarily saying that Angela Morici is sanctified, though that may be a separate issue. She may be, she may not be. We're saying only God's sanctified judgment can rule whether or not she is a positive theological inspiration. So let's go around and ask whether or not she is. Amanda, what do you think?
1: Well, I definitely think for Angela Marie she's a hot po- or positive theological influence. Uh, she establishes this order. Well, actually, it's not an order, but a, a company for, for girls to participate in the life of the church. Um, and they reach out into their community. So that's definitely something that can be inspiring to all of us.
2: Anthony,
0: what do you think? Hot, not, or sanctified?
2: Um, I would definitely say hot. Uh, she took a lot of personal personal initiative there. And, you know, one thing, too, is that Um, she looked very, very holistically at the situation too. You know, I mean, what she was doing was regarded as secular, which is kind of funny compared to today. Um, it's not the same secular as today. It was more like a secular of not directly related to theology, but she was taking care of things in the home that Christians did need to worry about. And that, um, that young Christian girls were going to have to worry about in their future also. So I think that that's, um, really important and really admirable.
0: Well, just building off that for a little bit, Again, what she was doing was originally called a secular institution, though it was later recognized as being work of the church and being a religious institution. But while she was alive, it was considered a secular thing, but it's very interesting because so many times when we think of secular in our modern world, we think of something which is oftentimes either completely atheistic or sometimes it's even hostile towards the church. But her mentality was, there's a lot of poverty around me, and I want to do something to fix this, and building up families – Starting from within. And again, it was interesting because she really does have a long-term plan for this. And it's this idea that if we, we build children up where they can go out into the world and as they become adults, they will be prepared for the next generation. She really has a very broad mindset of what's going on. She doesn't just see what's in front of her. She's able to look beyond her own circumstances and say, we need to put things in motion, which will have a lasting effect on the world around us. Well, before I share my thoughts, we actually have one more person with us here in, in our studio, and we're going to let Mrs. Cattleguard. And you may have seen Mrs. Cattleguard in her kitchen, but we're going to let her set, tell us what you think. So, Mrs. Cattleguard, what are your thoughts? Hot, not, or sanctified? Well,
3: hello, this is Mrs. Cattleguard speaking. And, uh, you know, I've got to thank King of Logos for my little spotlight and the fame here for a little bit. I've been around quite frequently here, and I appreciate it. But, um, I've got to say, not. And here's why. I don't think. Angela Marici's not. I think she's not. Because, um, well, had she voted the right person in office, she wouldn't have had to deal with any of that. I mean, I'm all for the education of children. I mean, that's great and all. But, had she put the right person in office, that would have been done. Could have been done better. It's the government. They could have done a better job. They've got taxes and all that stuff. So, um,
0: that's all I've got to say about that. Well,
2: that was, um, one opinion. Dylan, would you like to continue?
0: Well, we're going to have to have a talk with mrs Cattleguard. we did give her our own program but um we'll see how all of that pans out uh my thoughts of course is that she is in fact hot i think it's a very very positive thing it's a great role model for us to follow i think angela marici is unmistakably one of the saints from church history that that people should do more like today and um i'll let does anyone want to respond to mrs Cattleguard?
1: um just real quickly uh it is kind of funny and in- we kind of laugh at Miss Miss Cattleguard's uh, extreme opinion, but she makes some points that a lot of people think about. That um, if we elect the right person, if we can just get the government to do the right thing, then everything would be okay. And um, it would be nice if our government could do the right thing a lot of times. But regardless of if they do or if they don't, uh, Angela Marici becomes a hot inspiration because. She takes the initiative. She does it. She organizes, like Pastor Dylan said. She thinks long-term about establishing a cycle uh, that will continue to um, create a healthy environment for people. So,
0: Yeah, and I think that's really something we can take from this, just having a long-term plan. Anthony?
2: Um, I was just going to say that it is that sort of opinion it is kind of funny and how it, um, it seems so ridiculous now. But that's also because hindsight is 2020, You know, had we, if we don't have specific adva- examples of people who um, have gone out and taken the personal initiative, it might seem like a legitimate idea to go and to, um, you know, get the right person in office to seek a bureaucratical answer. But yeah. um, I think whenever we look at history and uh,
0: – Well, this is one of the reasons why I do think church history is so important because we have such wonderful role models that are oftentimes overlooked. And, and Angela Marici is unmistakably one of those. For our next segment, we're going to be going to Mrs. Cattleguard's Kitchen. If you follow our other content, you may have watched the most recent episode of Clergy, which is the Cops parody, where we reenact real life ministerial calls that are oftentimes rather comical. We met Mrs. Cattleguard, who was having a water heater problem, and now she's been given her own program to talk cooking with us. After Mrs. Cattleguard's Kitchen, we'll be going back to the studio where we're going to be learning a little bit about original sin and how that relates to the conversation of whether or not people are inherently good. But for now, let's head over to Mrs. Cattle Kitchen.
3: Oi well, hey there, kids. Welcome to Mrs. Cattle Kitchen. Now, today I'm going to show you how to mix some things, but first, I'd like to thank clergy for the other day. I don't know if you recognize me, but I was on an episode of clergy. I called about my water heater and it all got settled and fixed just so we can have some closure, but also, because of their clergy, I got noticed by the studio, to vlog Velagos, and now I've got my own show. So, you know, I've never cooked a day before in my life. I was raised garden cattle, but, you know, cattle are part of cooking. Eventually, they get cooked. So, I think that we can get through this eventually. You know, garden should be harder than cooking. That's what, I, that's what we always said. So, let's get started. First, you'll need a red bowl. It's got to be red. You'll need... Well, actually, I'm not sure what this is. They set me up with it. I've never recognized something like this before. But it's a handle, and it's got a spring on it. Two pitchers and four cups, but they already got our ingredients in them, so I'm not gonna show you every cup. You know what a cup looks like. So here's one cup of YooHoo strawberry milk. Now, I don't. You don't have to show me something. That's heretical in nature for me to recognize that this has got a little bit of heresy in it. I don't know what you who strawberry milk. I've never seen anything like that before. But honestly, you know, considering it's heretical, it's probably timeless. I mean, it's probably been a recurring thing throughout history. So. And then we've got ginger ale. Now, if you notice, there's much less ginger ale. We're not using standard units here. I don't even know if this is a cup. Like, if it's a measuring cup or whatever, but you know it's significantly less yuhu strawberry you so then you mix it together now it seems that the strawberry has kept the dominant color we're going to pour it into our cups so now I don't know if how well you can see this on the camera but it doesn't it doesn't look good it does not look good. You don't want carbonated ginger ale mixed with strawberry yoohoo. I'll tell you that. And you know, it kind of reminds me of whenever people they mix a little bit of heresy with their personal life. It's never good. It's never good. This is, this is whiskey business. You know, you gotta, weigh your, you gotta weigh your whisk and your reward. Moving on. We've got apple juice. And Sprite. Now again, I'm not using standard units, but it's about the same amount. Now we're going to whisk them. Pour them into the cups. Now, you may not be able to see this, but there's still a little pink in there here at, you know, Mrs. Uh, Cattle God's kitchen. We don't always wash our dishes, so there's a little pink in there from the yuhu. But that is kind of like how heretical things work. We think they've gone away. Sometimes there's always a little bit there if we don't maintain discipline. And we didn't maintain discipline with washing our dishes this time, did we? So, there's going to be some heresy mixed up in this. But, if we think about it, apple juice, Sprite, mixed together. It actually could have been pretty good. Could have been pretty good. Kind of like Judeo-Christian values and Western society. So, you know, I'm going to turn this over to those at Kingdom of Lagos and see if they can't give some sort of orthodox christian thinking i'm not trying to lose my program i'm just going to let them take care of the hard stuff
0: all right now that we have been familiar with mrs Cattleguard's kitchen this idea where you can take and blend a few things together mix a few things together and see what the outcome is now mrs Cattleguard was in there mixing up some rather weird drinks and the pink one there was described as being a little bit heretical i believe it was a strawberry you who or something crazy like that but there's a serious question are things from the past mixable with things today? Can you mix them? Can you integrate things from the past till today's time? Are they still relevant? So one of the ways that I want us to talk about the idea of mixing things from the past to today is this concept of original sin and the question of whether or not people are inherently good or originally bad. In fact, one could make the case that the old arguments that in humanity there is original sin, that this is the the same thing as saying people are inherently bad. So let's talk about this. Is the concept of original sin the same thing as asking our people inherently bad? Amanda, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Okay, so those conversations, um, obviously we can make connections and say they're very similar. Um, I would say, though, that they're not exactly the same thing. Um, not in the sense that evil and good are somehow an old ancient concept that are no longer relevant. They definitely are. Um, and the idea of inherent or original sin is definitely a relevant conversation as well. So they're still relevant but there's a little um, distinctions between the two conversations. And that, in my opinion, would be simply that when we talk about if someone is inherently good or evil, we're often limiting free will. We're kind of saying that they either are A or B, and there's not much of another option. But if we start with the concept of original sin, we're starting in kind of a different place. But even really then, that's not the good beginning of the conversation. Really, we have to go just a little bit further back And when we say a little bit further back, we mean to the beginning of creation. And we find that God creates people in God's image. And this is where we all start. Now, this is different than saying we're inherently good, because the image of God is an image that is creative, but can choose. And so there's not kind of this force that's forcing us to do uh, good or bad, but simply that we have the ability to choose. Now, that image, of course, was corrupted in the fall. Um, It was broken. And so now we have a choice. Do we live into the image of God that we were created or do we continue brokenness? And so that's there's, I think, a slight distinction in that conversation than inherently good or evil. So that's kind of where I would draw the lines.
0: All right. So I just want to reaffirm one thing that you pointed out there, Pastor Amanda. You you were talking about how God created humanity in his image and God is a being of will. God chooses to be good, but if he creates humanity in his image, then we ourselves also are beings of will, and we may choose to be good, or we may choose to be bad. Am I correct?
1: Yes, of course. And so this is then also when we read in the story of the fall itself is not God tricking Adam and Eve to be sinners so he can kick them out of a nice garden, but it's God allowing that choice to happen. Um, but that choice was not necessarily something that had to happen. It was, again, a free will choice. Um, And so there was not, again, a force saying that they had to do A or B. They simply were allowed to choose between the two of them.
0: One of the things that I think of when I think of the conversation of free will is free will is the ability to choose between things which are fundamentally different. And we were having a conversation about this before the program, Amanda, and I know you had pointed out something that I thought was quite good just because things are fundamentally different doesn't necessarily mean that one is always bad or one is always good. It could be that one thing is is good and another thing is better. It could be that two things are potentially good but are just wildly unrelated to one another. And, And free will is something really where people do have this opportunity to make choices in their life. God calls us in a certain direction, but there still is an element of free will that we have as we are created in the image of God. Well, let's move gears just a little bit let's shift into another gear and talk about this idea of whether or not people are inherently good because i know in our conversation as we were preparing for this amanda you had said that this in and of itself is also a bit of a wrong question
1: um right because it it really kind of sets us up for the wrong conclusion um we can whether we conclude with their um we're inherently evil or whether we conclude with we're inherently good again we're kind of preconditioning people or predestinating um people's um actions and without a doubt we can look at human history and say you know there were some times people did some great stuff they worked towards some great things um and then more often than that we can look at human history and be like left to their own devices humanity sucks um they pick awful options they're prone to destruction um and kind of this even looking into creation this movement towards entropy um, but again, then that makes us very pessimistic. And we have to ask, where is hope in that? And we always have to start in a place where grace precedes um, brokenness. Um, so even when we talk about original sin, before there was original sin, there was prevenient grace. Um, so that's kind of, again, the conversation has to move in that direction. Because if we don't have a solid foundation, we're going to get into heresies that look a lot alike, a lot alike, a lot like truth but they're not.
0: Well, I think you bring up some good things there. You brought up entropy. And entropy is this concept where everything in the universe, when left to its own resources, will kind of evolve towards chaos. Things sort of degenerate. They, they fall apart and they, they're perpetually getting worse in some capacity. And before I share my thoughts on this, I wanted to see if you have any, you all have thoughts on this, um, Anthony included. What do we think of about the connection between the history of the people of God talking about original sin and the concept of entry entropy that we now discuss in, in sort of modern philosophy and even modern physics and things of that nature. Did we see a connection between original sin and entropy?
2: Um, I would say that, uh, considering that original sin is kind of like the gateway to start sinning much more. It's kind of like, um, from what I can tell, that you know, once we once the original sin was committed, there was much more sin, and I think that falls into the law of entropy itself. It's you know the start of that, boom, more and more chaos is going to ensue without discipline. And I think that um, the law of entropy is also really interesting because it um, really really strengthens the idea of divine revelation, I guess, and the necessity that people have for that because without divine revelation we do continue to go and head further into chaos you know and that's that's where um i don't want to say that's not that's where our natural tendency is people are chaotic and we make good and bad decisions but um bad decisions tend to have a ripple effect whereas good decisions ripple effect i don't think go as far i mean that's well, also one thing that
0: that's for sure whenever somebody commits something a a sin that we can clearly define like lying about something that you have done, which is bad. For instance, if you go into a store and you lie that, no, I did not go in there and steal that $50 DVD player. I almost said $50 VCR. And then I realized (laughs) I was going to give away like what time um, I grew up. But so you you go inside in Walmart and I will say VCR. You go in there and you steal a VCR and some cassette tapes. You may lie about this, but then somebody can go out to your, your car and be like, you know what? I looked in there. I seen that you have Jurassic Park one. Um, very good movie in there. I see the stolen tape and I see the, the VCR that you've got in there. Like logically to lie, you are disconnecting yourself from reality in a way that reality doesn't match. It's it's an unreliable account because if somebody seen you do that and they report it to the police and they pull you all over down the road. No matter what you say to them, if they look inside and they see the stolen goods and then they have the the also the cassette tape from the store where you stole it. They can verify that what you're saying is untrue. So it is one of those things where it builds up a lot more chaos around it when that happens. But back to the question about the relationship between entropy and original sin, I think another point that is worth making is that it doesn't have to be an entropy situation. Again, back to Amanda's logic. I I don't want to set people up for the false dichotomy, which takes us to bad conclusions. People certainly have choices and we can choose the the call of God or we can choose a, a different path. And one of the things that we we have said a lot around here at Kingdom of the Logos is that without discipline, the pathology will win. In other words, the worst case scenario will oftentimes win if people don't have discipline to fight against that. If people do not choose a different route, then things like entropy can come in. And I think one of the things which is interesting about the concept of original sin is this idea that human nature, whenever people come together in some sort of aggregation, there may be some people who are very bad. You may have some antisocial actors who are doing vicious things to one another. You may have some people who are moderately bad, some who are generally good, and maybe even some who were like St. Angela Morici, who we were talking about in our recent Hot, Not, or Sanctified, who in the midst of the world where they see a lot of poverty and suffering, they say, well, I'm going to go up and build schools and do some great things. They answer the call of God. You get people who, who choose a lot of different things. And the concept of original sin... I think is a reminder to us all that if we do not discipline ourselves, that if we do not make efforts to choose well, then we can find ourselves making bad choices and set into effect some different different things that are are more like entropy. We can set some chaotic things and some things of suffering in motion in our world. Amanda, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I I think as you were talking about, like, why does it seem like the chaotic option or the bad option creates this giant ripple, as Anthony was saying, of, of bad things? And then when we do a good thing, it doesn't seem to impact the world as much. And I think then that's where we go almost, this might be a little side tangent, but the difference between kind of a good action and a holy action. Um, And what I mean by that, there's a difference between something that's just done that's good and something that's done empowered by the Holy Spirit that's done because of a relationship with God. And that's because there are some great things people can do that are disconnected from um, the Christian faith, that are disconnected from a relationship with God, and they do good things. And I don't want to downplay that so much, but they don't have the resources. They don't have the backing. To really make an impact the world because all they're doing is kind of a band-aid. It's very shallow versus when you connect yourself with the story of God with with the people of God, there's something much more powerful that the nature of things are changing that movement towards entropy that that brokenness that sinful nature, whatever you want to call it, that mess of our world is being transformed into something better, but it can only be transformed into something better if it's being transformed by God. Simply doing something good is not going to transform it, right? So that's, I think, as we look at our world and its mess and its brokenness, and we're like, why is this not changing? Why is it still a mess? Um, it, it is getting better, not in this kind of humanistic sense of um, if we can, you know, just force everyone to do the right thing, then we'll all be good. but that as we surrender ourself, our wisdom, our will to God and are transformed individually, we join a community that is changing the world.
0: Well, I wanna add one thing to that. You were saying you see things which happen separated from the church, which aren't necessarily bad. You see things that you could even say are, are objectively quite good. One of the things that I also think is quite interesting, and you find this both within the secular community and the, the Christian community, is people are not always very self-aware of the origins of their own personal convictions you find this all the time you might have people who may claim to be atheistic but yet they they have christian generations that come before them or they're they're raised in the the west which has largely been shaped by the christian virtues and even within the church sometimes we don't even recognize when the holy spirit is convicting us to do things and it's interesting how god uses the the choice of good in the world around us but to amanda's point she's quite right and we don't want to downplay the, the fact that, that people do generally do good, but there is a another level of of good that we can achieve when we recognize the Christian virtues which we're called to. We recognize that God has called us to a, a universally applicable moral code that we can take and apply anywhere in our lives. When we take and apply that in our lives, we, we move not just from doing things which matter in this moment in time, but we, we really elevate ourselves to things which have eternal value. And I'm not just speaking about the concepts of heaven or hell, but... The Christian virtues which have been passed down through the ages they they really are universally applicable in the past in the present and in the future and being able to continue on those traditions are just absolutely fantastic well let's go ahead and and wrap up this conversation any final thoughts Amanda or Anthony no no
3: I think that we've concluded
0: well that was a rather brisk no (laughs) we'll spare the jokes of of the punitive measures taking against anthony for for refusing to to give input there but all the same um anthony's actually quite great we've got a lot of new technology in here anyways and we thank you for your support we thank you for spending time with us here at kingdom of the Lagos. if you've enjoyed our program please do share our content you can help us out so much by sharing our content you can find our, our content on of course youtube facebook you can find us on a few other places you can follow me on twitter at j dylan proctor If you would really want to help us out, you can just grab a link to our content, share it to your your friends, your family. That will help us out tremendously. We have a Patreon set up where we're improving our studio. We've got new microphones going on now to really improve our quality. And again, we thank you for all that you can do for us. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, that is found at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. And on that, find Christian virtues, apply them in your life and have a blessed day.